praise you, Jesus. I'd like to just go ahead and preach, if that's okay with you, Pastor Daniel. Hallelujah. Amen. The Sunday school, the, the youngest class. Is it the youngest class, Pastor Brenda? The youngest two. You may be dismissed. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Oh, I thought I had it. Hallelujah. I, I want to capitalize on what I believe the Spirit was saying this morning. So I want to take a few moments this morning and I want to, I want to just talk about what God was speaking to us today. Amen? Are you ready to receive? Something happens when God gets involved in your life. Something happens. And this morning, God, God was speaking, and, and there was a couple thoughts that came through my mind as, as we were worshiping. One of them was, was the thought, everything changes, and, and there was the song of the Lord about that. Everything changes, and it bows at his feet. And then there was also the thought that, that came to me just from the songs that I'm hungry for you. My heart thirsts for you. And as we were preparing Pastor Daniel, myself, Pastor Sean, we've had some conversations about what I believe or what we believe is, is something for this summer. And I had a thought, but I just couldn't, it just didn't go any further and as I was praying, the Lord put a word in my heart, and I, I, I shared it with, with them. And, and I believe this is going to be a summer of pursuit. And I see it in a few ways. Some of the ways it's going to be a pursuit that you have, but also it's a pursuit that God has for you. God is relentless in his pursuit of you. He gave his son. Before anything was determined, and it says that before the foundation of the world, he gave his son. And so there's a pursuit that God has for us that is relentless. And what's funny about it is when you've been touched by God, he ruins you. <laughs> he wrecks you. And what happens is, is what you used to like and what you used to do, what you used to get away with, what you used to behave, what you used to say, it just, it, you, you, you try it and it's like, no, this is foreign. This is not right. Why? Because God has touched you. He's pursued you and he's caused you to be changed. Paul refers to it as, as saying, that which has taken a hold of me, I press after to take a hold of that. And so this morning, I could go in many different ways, but I'm, I'm not going to pursue that thought. That's going to happen, I think, throughout the summer. Pastor Daniel, Pastor Sean, and Pastor Nelson preach as well. But this morning, I want to talk about what are you pursuing? And as we were worshiping this morning, 
the, the, the thought that I have in my heart is, is what dream has been squashed? What has the enemy taken from you? As a kid, as a kid, and I'm still a big kid, I love sports. I, I, I enjoy sports. I, I can sit, I mean, I can even sit and watch darts. I mean, it's like, if it's on the sports channel, I'll watch it. Cards, darts, bowling. And I mean, it's like, it's on ESPN, it's on TSN, it's got to be okay, it's got to be. So I enjoy sports. And sometimes they refer to this, and they, 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 you'll hear this if you've ever watched sports. They'll say defense wins championships. I, I don't agree with that. But what's happened is we become so defensive that we don't pursue. We become so defensive and protective of our life, of our living, of our status, of our position, and we don't pursue after what God has placed in our hearts. And what happens is we become defensive, and we've been taught, well, you know, defense wins championships, and you want to win? Just relax, just chill. And I'm here to tell you, no, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And people have interpreted that many different ways, and you can interpret it whatever you want, but I'm here to tell you that there's an aggressiveness in the kingdom that will attract and pursue and seize and conquer that you and I need to exercise in our lives. Canadians are known for our passivity, our conservatism, our pleas and our thank you and I'm sorry. And while those are great, I would suggest to you that I am a citizen of a kingdom other than Canada. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven has a different culture than the Canadian culture. It is a different culture than the American culture. It is a different culture than European or, or Latin America. The kingdom of heaven has a culture that is defined and shown in the word of God, that's written in the word of God, that Jesus showed and he taught. And one of the things he taught about was pursuit. And this morning, I want to look at a few passages from the Old Testament, but I want to speak prophetically to you. Because there's some of you here today that you've had a dream and just like Justin came up and he shared and he says it's hopeless and now you think it's hopeless, it's helpless, it's never going to happen. I'm here to tell you, no, God wants to breathe back into that dream and he wants you to go and pursue that dream. So I want to share with you a few verses here. If you could turn in your Bibles and we're going to jump around at a couple verses but we're going to start in Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. And, and thank God I started in Genesis. It's the first book. So just start at the cover and turn right. And, and we'll get there. Genesis 14. This is the story of Abram and Lot. I got, a, I got an interesting little tidbit I'll share with you. I just came across this yesterday. Do you know when Abram's name was changed? It was changed when he was like 100 years old. 
it was not changed the first time God spoke to him. I, for some reason, I had always thought God encountered him, changed his name, and for 25 years he walked around and said, I'm the father of many nations. No, actually what happened is God spoke to him as Abram, which means exalted father, which is a pretty amazing name to begin with. And he gave him a dream, and he gave him a vision, and he gave him a promise, and he said, I'm going to establish my covenant. But it wasn't until after Ishmael was born, and God spoke to him when Ishmael was about 13 years old, and he says, I'm establishing my covenant with you, and it's going to be through your son Isaac. And he talked about circumcision. He says, and you'll no longer be called Abram, but now Abraham. I found that interesting. Sometimes God changes the name early, but sometimes he changes it near the end. And we sometimes put God and say, no, he has to operate this way. No. He, he just kept dealing with Abram for 25 years. He'd spoken to Abram. So we're in Genesis 14. Abram and Lot. The background of this is Abram and Lot get so blessed and so prosperous that they have to split up because they can't, they're, 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 they're starting to infight in their family. So Abram says to Lot, you know what? Pick, just look around and pick whatever area you want. So uh, Lot looks out and he sees this amazing land and, he, and, it, and it's towards Sodom and Gomorrah, but he says, I want this land. And basically he picked the fertile, the good land, and Abram got what was left, and God said to him, don't worry about it, Abram, I'm with you. And through the course of time, there were some kings that came, and they actually raided Sodom and Gomorrah. In verse 11, it says, the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, so his nephew, was Abram's nephew was Lot, who was dwelling in Sodom and his possessions and went their way. The enemy came and he took from Lot, from Sodom, and he took Lot and he left and he, he took them away. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eschol and of Aner, these were allies of Abram. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit. I want you to see that word. He went in pursuit. He went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them and pursued them to Habah, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the possessions. This is amazing. He brought back some of the provisions. He brought back, how much did he bring back? It's an amazing word. It's three letters, but it is so powerful. He brought back all the possessions. He brought back all the possessions. I'm speaking prophetically this morning. 
I'm speaking prophetically this morning. Some of you have settled for 10%, 20%, 30%, 90%, and you say the last 10% is the hardest. I'm here to tell you that God wants you to pursue and to overtake all. All. If you know me at all, you know I get a little radical when I stand on the stage. Don't settle for 95% when God says, I want you to have all the good of the land. Don't settle for second best when he said, this is what I have for you. And I want you to see this here. A couple things. First of all, Abram was dealing with his brother, his nephew. Actually, Abram went in defense of someone else and he pursued I found that interesting because it wasn't even his stuff that he was going after. It was his nephew. And we spent a few months here talking about one of another. I'm here to tell you, I'm not just satisfied for what God has for me, but I will pursue and I will stand with you till you recover all. It's easy to say, I've got it all, but if you're struggling, I'm here to tell you that I will be with you and I will support you and I will stand with you till you see everything recovered because I believe that is God's plan, his design, and his purpose that you would excel and see 100% of what he has for you. Is there anybody here that says, you know what, there's a little bit that I'm getting exhausted, I'm getting tired, I don't know if I can get there. It's okay, I'm not going to pick on you. You know what? I feel like that at times. I have someone in my life, a dear friend of mine, that is actually going to bat for me when I'm exhausted, when I'm tired, and when I'm weary. And they are going for 100% because I might not be strong enough. And I'm here to tell you what I'm experiencing. God is saying, David, tell them. You're not alone in the battle that you're going after. And I will stand with you. And I will do battle with you and for you to see you get 100%. 100% of what God has for you. We have a God that is so radical that he believes in 100%. Not only that, he actually goes to sevenfold and double and sevenfold restoration. I mean, we're satisfied if we just get 10 cents on the dollar. And he says, No, I'll give you a hundredfold. Abram went for his nephew. His brother's son. And, and what's really interesting about this was he knew the trouble that Abe Lot was in because Lot was at Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot was living near that city. And he was exposing himself to stupid things. And yet Abram said, no, he's part of my family. He's my kinsman. He's my relative. He's my flesh and he's my blood. And I will go and I'm going to take them. Not only that, but actually you'll find out that Abram even had his three friends join him. 
He even took his three friends and he said, listen guys, we have a treaty here and you're with me, so we're all going after these guys and we're going to recover all. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God wants to put an unction inside of you that you would pursue with a tenacity that is even stronger than a bulldog going after a bone, that you will go after every single thing God has spoken over you today. If he said you're going to minister to thousands, you go after that. You seek his face and you say, God, what does this mean? I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to go after it. If it means that you've lost your joy, go after that thing. Don't allow. What's interesting is he actually went after the enemy. That's a little radical in Christian circles because I've been taught, don't talk about the enemy. And I know I don't give him more glory. and he's, he's, he's a defeated foe. He's defeated. But what I find interesting is sometimes we have to go after what he took. Well, I'm just going to rest here in God's love and he's going to bring it. Get some tenacity that says, no, that's my property. You don't get to defeat me. You don't get to take my joy. I used to sleep with peace, and now I don't have peace. I'm going to go after what stole that peace. What stole that peace? What took away that peace? Because whatever it is, that enemy is defeated, and I'm actually going to go, and I'm going to recover, and I'm going to bring back those things. I believe prophetically there's some of you here that are weary, exhausted, and tired, and, and you just say, well, I just have no strength. I understand that. If I can be honest with you, I understand that. But living a life of faith is not living a life based on what I see. It's living a life based on what he says. And he says, go and recover all. And I'm going to... I heard a story by Benny Perez an amazing preacher in Las Vegas, and he's, he's Mexican. And he says, you can never beat up a Mexican. And he's saying this, and, and they said, why? And he says, because he just keeps getting up. He just keeps getting up, and after a while, the other guy just gets tired of it. Like, we need to have a backbone that just keeps getting up. You know, you, you might think you've won the battle. No, you haven't. I'm getting back up. I'm exhausted. I'm getting back up. Why? Because there's a prize there and he stole. He stole what was mine and I'm going after that and I'm going to recover all. Look at somebody and say, recover all. Recover all. And he pursued him. And he brought back all the possessions and also brought back his kinsmen lot with his possessions and the women and the people. He brought back everything. And then we see the interaction with him and, and the king of Salem, King Melchizedek. And where Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And then the king of Sodom says, hey, Abram, why don't you take some of this? And Abram says, no, I'm not going to take any of this for my own glory because I don't want it to be said that you made me 
strong. You made me wealthy. You, he says, but, and I found this interesting, he says, but give it to my three friends, the spoil that belongs to them. Give it to them. Because it sounds like he didn't just recover what Lot had lost. It sounds like he recovered more. Because if he was going to divide it between the three, he would have been taken from what was Lot's. Are you catching something here? Get a mentality of more. Get a greedy Christian mentality. Get an unhealthy greed for more of God. No, I'm just a pious young man. I'm holy, and I'm suffering for the king. No, you're not suffering for the king. The enemy stole it. You go take that back, and you get that back, and don't be surprised if other stuff comes with you, and you can give it to other people. Well, I lost my joy. Go get your joy. The joy of your Lord is your strength. You go get that joy. You bring it back and start infecting other people with the joy. I had this amazing experience a couple days ago. Well, You, you know I have two grandsons, and one of them, he... he Thaddeus just, we were at a basketball hoop, and the basketball hoop was just tall enough that if I lifted him up, he could put the ball in there. And he'd start to giggle. And he actually strengthened me when I was playing with him. And actually, after a while, he'd take the ball, and then he, and the backboard had just a little flat section, and he actually was able to leave the ball up there for a moment. And then he'd laugh. Then he'd dunk it, and he'd say, dunk, dunk. And then he learned how to hang on the rim. Now, I didn't let him go. I held him. And God just showed me this picture of joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And sometimes the joy we get is in the children that we have or those things that we have. The seeds that is planted causes us joy. And some of you, your joy has been stolen, and I'm here to tell you, you're going to get it back, you're going to pursue after it, and you're going to go and you're going to bring it back all. You're going to bring back all. Be ridiculous in your confession and ridiculous in your pursuit, ridiculous in your desire, and ridiculous in your expectation. Well, here's 99%. Where's the extra one? Can I get an amen? The next chapter actually is very interesting because after all those things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in verse 1 of chapter 15. He says, fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. After everything he went through, God says to him, don't be afraid. I'm your shield. And your reward's going to be great. Pursue. Turn with me to Gen Joshua 10. I want to give you a few verses to mo this morning. I want to build your faith. I don't want to build your hype. I want to build your faith. 
I could build your hype. I could do rah, 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 this, you know, give me a G, give me an O, give me, I'm not going to do that. What I want you to do is I want you to see what the word of God says. Because I am learning that there's one thing that never changes. His word never changes. It never fails. And if I'm going to believe anything, I'm going to believe his word. Joshua chapter 10. In verse 6 to 8, in chapter 9, I'll give you a little background. Chapter 9, the Gibeonites had heard and seen what the children of Israel did to the nations before them, to the, to the cities and the, and the countries before them. And so they got freaked out. So they came up with this plan to say, you know what? We'd rather be their slave and live than them conquer us and kill us. So let's come up with this plan and somehow make a treaty with the people there so they won't kill us or defeat us. So the Gibeonites, they sent a, a group of them out there and they gave them wineskins that were all tattered and they gave them, they, they made it look like they had traveled far. Their bread was all crumbly and old and moldy and they, they came and they met with Joshua and, and the people and they said, oh, we've come from a long ways. We heard that you guys are doing great things and we just want to have a treaty with you so that, you know, we, we want to come on your side. And when you read the passage in Joshua 9, an interesting phrase comes up and we're going to get to that phrase and I'm going to hammer it home a couple times, but it says that they didn't seek God. Instead, they just tasted of what they had and they said, yeah, it's pretty ugly bread. Yeah, that wine is sour. And they made an agreement with them. And then within days, it sounds like within days, Joshua finds out and he gets upset with them. They said, hey, we've got a deal. And we'd rather be your slave than you defeat us and annihilate us. So in the next chapter... A few other kings get on their case and they're going to go after that group of people called the Gibeonites. And the men of Gibeon, in verse 6, chapter 10, sent to Joshua at the camp in Gilgal saying, Don't relax your hand from your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country are gathered against us. So Joshua went up from Gilgag, he and all the people of the war with him, and all the men, mighty men of valor. And the Lord, listen to this, and the Lord said to Joshua, and the Lord said to Joshua, I want you to understand, don't just do things what you think. Communicate with God. He's smarter than you. He knows an Excel spreadsheet, right, front, forward, backwards. He knows it. He understands it. He knows. He understands the wisdom of the day. He knows bank rates. He knows this. He knows. God is smart. And he doesn't live in the moment that we live in. He lives in eternity, which is greater than time. So what happens is he looks at time almost as if it's a globe or a small thing. And he's outside of time. And he looks there. And he sees you. But he also sees this. And you're going, oh, I'm going to go there. And he goes, no, this is better. This is better. And he can see the beginning from the end. And so he sees it, and what he does is he'll give you wisdom to go in your direction that you should go. Do you know that you could live a life without making mistakes? You say, no, I can't. Well, just try. 
Try. I still make mistakes, but I'd like to think I make fewer of them because I connect with the Holy Spirit. So Joshua 10, verse 8, And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I've given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. And then if you continue down, they're, they're killing him. This is actually where he tells the sun to stand still. Can you imagine what havoc that would cause? Like Twitter would be ablaze. Facebook wouldn't know what to do. It's like Instagram would have all these pictures posted. The sun was here an hour ago and it's still right here. What's going on? I mean, it would just be nuts and crazy. And he says, sun stand still because we got some business to take care of. When God puts you in a place and in a situation where you are recovering all, expect some ridiculous provision from God. If he's in it, he'll be with you. Don't just do it on your own strength. It's not about you. It's about God. And so Joshua has a whole thing about the sun standing still. And then he says to, the, the, to his army, they, they caught five kings and they put them in a cave and they rolled this huge stone against the mouth of the cave and they set some men against it. And then he says in verse 19, but don't stay there yourselves. Pursue your enemies. Don't stay settled. I got the kings. And he goes, no, that's, we were told to take it all. Pursue your enemies. I'm here to, this, this gets a little dangerous. This gets a little dangerous because a Christian shouldn't be somebody who's aggressive. A Christian should not be aggressive. I should just love. I should just love you. I'm here to tell you, pursue your enemy. Some of you have had dreams squashed. Some of you have had dreams killed. Some of you have had things stolen from you. And we've learned to live in that space and accept it. I guess this is my lot for life. If I had a big gun or a myth buster thing, I'd blow that myth right up. It's not your lot in life. Your lot in life is to have dominion, to excel, to procreate, to see multiplication, to have dominion, and to rule. That's the original design and intent God had for you. And I would suggest to you, anything less than that is not 100%. And we've had things stolen from us, and we've learned to live in that capacity. I know people who instead of getting healed, because if they got healed, they'd have to go off of a government assistance. So they live in a capacity where they're dependent on the government instead of living in a capacity where they're 100% healed and they can go to work and pay for things. I've seen it. Well, if God heals me, I'm not going to get my money every month. No, you're going to be healed. You're going to be whole. And you're going to be able to provide and see more and see increase. No, no, no. But I'm comfortable here. And we've accepted what the enemy has. And Joshua here tells his guys, no, you go pursue your enemy. Now, by the way, by the way, by the way, your enemy 
is not you and me. So after church Sunday, I don't want to get a whole pile of reports saying, I pursued this fella, and now he... No, that's not what I'm talking about. It says in Ephesians, your enemy is not flesh and blood. It's against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and secret uh, wickedness in, in high places. That's who we are against. I'm not against you. So we're not bringing boxing gloves or I'm not going to train you this or that. We, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So when you pursue your enemy, what you are pursuing is the enemy who is stolen from you. It says in the Bible, John 10.10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come to give you life, and then he says, and to give it to you overflowing. That's the picture God has for me. That's the picture God has for you. And I'm here to tell you, and, and some of you, you might not need to pursue. Because actually, when you read the Bible also, you'll find out that David inquired of the Lord, should I go after them? And sometimes God said no. Okay? So I've got a prophetic word for you, but you have to learn how to discern it and apply it. So don't jump in your car, go 100 miles down the highway and say, I'm going to go after this blessed man. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But there's things that have been stolen from you. There's been years that have been stolen from you. There's been finances that have been stolen from you. There's been life that has been drained out of you and sucked away from you. That is not okay. And I am here as your, as your uncle, Abram. And I'm saying, I'm going to go pursue all. And we're going to recover. Amen? Amen? So I've got three things I want to give you this morning. A three-point sermon. I'd make Dr. Brown proud. I don't have a poem. About pursuit. Inquire of God. Don't just go out and do it. I'm giving you a prophetic word. Some of you might be motivated. Talk with God. Because he'll give you strategy. If you study any of the battles that Joshua had, he didn't go about them always the same way. One time he marches around. Another time he goes in front. Another time they come out and he goes back in. There's, there's, sometimes they divided the people. Sometimes it's amazing to see how they won their victories. Inquire of God. The first thing in your pursuit, you say, God, something's been stolen from me. Pursue God. Seek his face. And seek his face until you get an answer. Because he will answer you. And if he says, yes, you go after that aspect of joy and that is no longer allowed, then you go after that aspect. And remember, again, this is not against another person. You're not here to prove somebody right or somebody wrong. The enemy is under my feet. And I'm here to tell him he's been defeated and the king of kings reigns, and he's my dad, and he's my father, and I'm going to go and I'm going to take back those things that he thought he could steal, that he could kill, that he could destroy, and I'm going to take those back.
and I'm going to recover all. In fact, I'm going to recover so much that there's going to be extra left over. So the first thing when I talk about pursue is inquire of God. And you want to see that, you read in the book of Joshua. You read when they inquired of God, you read when they didn't. You look at David when he went to battle in 1 Samuel. There's two or three passages where he said, God, should I go after them? And God answers them. The next thing you need to do is you need to pursue. Well, it's not my character. It's not my personality. It's not my type. I'm a personality type, just humble, nice, and loving. No, you're a child of the king. Well, this, this just isn't the way I operate. Well, then figure it out because you need to pursue after what the enemy has stolen. I believe when people come into this building, they are going to sense a hunger and a pursuit after God that is unparalleled anywhere else. So as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. We come in Sunday morning, we've had an amazing week, but there's something that happens when we get together and we worship as a body and as a corporate gathering together. And the hunger is so great, we're going to see miracles happen just in the atmosphere. They're going to start popping. And people are going to come up, my son and others of you are going to have words of knowledge, and we're going to find out the person with that right ankle was actually healed before. The heart issue, Harry, you're healed. The Word of God says you're healed by His stripes. You're healed. And we're going to start seeing healing happen without us even being aware of it. Because the pursuit and the atmosphere that is here is an atmosphere that says, I want what God has. Inquire of God. Pursue. And the third thing I want to give you is recover all. become so persistent that when you walk into a room, they go, oh, this guy. He counts every single French fry in his bag. Oh, this guy. He's relentless. He doesn't settle just for, I offered him this, but he said, no, he wanted 100% back, but I thought I could get him off with 85 well, this guy, no, have an attitude in your spirit that says, Lord, I read your word, you read, your word says this, and I'm not going to settle or stand for anything less than what your word says. Because we have lived a substandard life. And I'm here to tell you, that is not the life that God wants you to live. So the three things I'll give you this morning with regards to pursue based on the passage in, in Genesis and the passage in Joshua, inquire of God, pursue, seek God, pursue, and then recover all. Amen? Don't live a life that says defense wins championships. 
live a life that says the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And I'm going to have an aggressiveness in my spirit that defies my personality type because the word of God says it. I'm going to pursue it. Amen? Amen. I want to pray for you and then Pastor Daniel has a couple of off, uh, announcements and he's going to receive the offering. If there's anybody here that you can identify with maybe something that's happened and you've accepted less than 100%, I want you to stand. If there's somebody here or anybody here that you need help to recover all, I want you to stand because I want us to stand with you. Because you do not stand alone in this. If there's any of you that have looked at something and said, the enemy has taken what was mine, I want you to stand. What I'd like to do is I'd like us to join hands across, and if, if I could just as simple as, if you're on the side, if you could just come this way, I want us to join across the, the rows. So if you could just come in, if we move, move around our seats for a moment. And we're just going to pray. We're going to pray one for another. So just take a moment right now and pray for the person on your left. And just ask God to give them a tenacity in their spirit that they would not accept anything less than 100%. Just pray for the person on your left. And if you're at the end of the aisle, just pray for the person at the other end so that they'll get it too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pray for them to have a spiritual tenacity, an unction from the Holy Spirit. A passion that is not defined. It's unrealistic because they serve a God who is unrealistic when he says, go for it all. Now pray for the person on your right. And if you're at the right end of the aisle, pray for the person at the far end. But just pray for them that they would have a spiritual strength encouragement. Encourage them. Pray for an encouragement over them. Pray for an encouragement over them. Be encouraged in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Declare miracles over them. Declare power over them. Declare a strength over them. Declare an anointing over them. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, as we join hands together as a body, Lord, we are family. So, Lord, we stand beside our brother and our sister. And just like we saw Abram went for his nephew, Lord, we stand beside each other and we say, no, I will stand when that person is weak and I will be there for them and I will pray for them and I will support them and I will stand with them and I will go with them to recover all or I will even go to recover them so that they are recovered completely, wholly, as you say. Lord, we commit to each other to see strength 
to see unity, to see growth, to see protection, to see recovery, to see reinstatement, to see your kingdom, your word fulfilled over them. Your precious name. Amen. You may be seated.